Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Let's talk to our experts about this whole story. David Bonson, who's the founder and managing partner of the Bonson Group, and he's the author of There's No Free Lunch, 250 Economic Truths. And uh, he puts out the dividendcafe.com every day. And John Carney, Breitbart News Editor, Economics and Finance, and co-author of the Breitbart Business Digest. Uh, welcome, gentlemen. Um, David Bonson, my brother, bless your heart for what you did at the Buckley Dinner. Bless your heart for that. I will never forget it. Never, never, never. Anyway, um, David, let me start with you. The market looks bad. What's your thinking about it? How long do you think this Decline is going to last. What do the underpinnings of the market look like? How do you see things right now? Well, I think that it's the obvious first that uh, there isn't anything that is going real well in markets. It's bonds and stocks, three quarters in a row of stocks and bonds being negative. And that's just so unbelievably rare. Even in periods where you have multiple, multiple quarters of the stock market being down, for bonds, which are historically more reverse correlated, to be down as well, um, it makes it very tough for asset allocators. You know, people are trying to do the right thing and diversify, and uh, what's going on on one side is going down, and what's going on on the other side is going down. But Larry, here's the thing I'd say. Um, the beginning of the year, all the way through, let's say, the summer, it was the stuff that deserved to go down getting hit the most, overpriced tech, a lot of the COVID hot stuff, your crypto stuff, you know, more frothy speculation. What happened, and it wasn't just, it wasn't third quarter. It was just the last few weeks. Mm. Just the last few weeks, value got hit, dividends got hit, energy got hit. So the winners of the year finally caught up. And that's generally what you see in later innings of a bear market, Mm. that the good stuff goes down with the bad stuff. So I don't know if we're one week away or six months away. We're nine months in. The average bear market, we've had 13 of them since World War II. The average is a year. Mm-hmm. And we're about, you know, three-quarters of the way there on the average. So uh, this is uh, – there's a lot of repricing that had to take place. But that dollar will have to come down, and the bond yields will have to come down before stocks can really start to breathe a little. Yeah, interesting point on the rates um... – your 10-year note is up to 383, up 14 basis points for the week. Of course, the three-month T-bill, which is tracking the Fed funds rate, three and a quarter. It is interesting. The curve is badly inverted, but not three months. Three months, the only thing is still positive curve. But the two years, that I'll call it four and a quarter, and the five years at four. So they're all inverted relative to the 10-year. Um Let's see. I want to do some. Yeah, well, consumer, consumer spending was okay, up three tenths, but um, disposable income uh, keeps falling. John Carney, inflation, very sticky. Core inflation 
actually creeping up in the report that came out yesterday. What do you make of that, John? I think that this was a much worse than expected inflation report, not just because of core, but if you look at the things we've talked about before, median inflation is going up. I was just looking at the Dallas uh, Fed's trimmed mean PC inflation. Mm. This thing is rocketing higher. 12-month uh, 12, 12 trim mean went from 4.5 to 4.7. The one-month annualized went from 3.7 in July. So, you know, that was pretty low. It was much lower than we've been having, all the way up to 6% again. Mm. So this is, you know, really the underlying inflationary pressures. It's actually a lot like what David was just saying about stocks, where at first it was the stuff that, you know, had to go down, went down. The stuff that was is was easily repriced, we saw a lot of inflation there. Now we're seeing the inflation spread out to everything. And that's why we're seeing it in these average inflation numbers, where you get, whether it's median or trimmed mean. And that's really telling you that inflate. And the other thing we're seeing is it's moving over into services very quickly. So, and services inflation tends to be more persistent than goods inflation. So what this tells us is we're going to be stuck with high inflation for longer. And I think that's really what's hitting the stock market right now. And John, that puts the pressure on the Fed. The Fed is going to be uh, tougher, probably, than anybody thinks in the months ahead. That's right. I think 50 basis points is off the table now for November. I think they're at least doing 75. This report, yesterday's report on PCE, uh, I think sealed it. They're going to do uh, in November 75 again. And if we get bad CPI numbers uh, in the next couple of weeks, it may push them up to do 100. I know they don't want to do that. But they, they, you know, we've had a serious, you know, this is a really steep uh, slope that they've gone up on the Fed funds rate. And yet it is really not showing any progress when it comes to core inflation. Yeah. My view was uh, always that they should have done hundreds, just get it out of the way, rip the Band-Aid off. I mean, you know, David Bunsen, you see that – the so-called market-based indicators, the leading indicators of inflation, are definitely coming down. Uh, it's a very clear trend. Uh, I watch the CRB futures. Um, that's been making another leg down. Of course, the dollar is uh, very, very strong. But um, the actual inflation reports, and the, look, the Fed institutionally has to deal with the actual inflation reports. So... Um, you know, I think John Carney's got a point. The Fed's going to be tougher, and that's uh, obviously not going to help stocks in the next bunch of months, Dave Bonson. Well, I think the possible – the other side of that is not necessarily a disagreement about the facts, but a disagreement about how it gets priced in markets. Because one could argue, and, and candidly, I, I pretty much agree with John Carney on most things, and you know I agree with you on virtually everything. But I think that is what's happened, is that the market, everything John just said is what the markets have been pricing. So now I think you end up with uh, risk the other direction because the worst case of Fed tightening may very well be priced in. Mm. And any hint of something not as tight as feared could become 
a rally catalyst. And and I'll give you an example. I don't believe they're going to go forward with the violence of quantitative tightening that they've been projecting. I don't think they can. I don't think they have prepayments in in mortgages. They're going to allow them to sell mortgage-backed securities at that level. Mm. And I don't think that the financial system can withstand the um, extraction of liquidity that they've said they'll do. On the Fed fund side, the only thing I'd say is if you if we think they're really taking their cues from PCE and CPI reports as opposed to just using those for cover, the problem is that rents and housing are coming down, even though it hasn't been reflected in the numbers yet. Uh, August had the first national decline of rents in years, hmm. but we don't see it in PCE for a couple months because of the lag effect. So you think that, t- uh, just to clarify, you think the potential Fed tightening is now priced into stocks? Or or getting very close. I mean, if it isn't totally priced, it's far more priced than it was. It happened very quickly. This is a really new element in markets. They take bad news and price them in quickly. I mean, this was one of the worst months for stocks that mm. most people will see in a career. Mm. And and there wasn't really anything that catastrophic fundamentally but I just think you get no buyers, all sellers, and they price in where the worst scenarios could go pretty quickly. And so, yeah, the Fed the Fed is going to get it higher than we all thought they would at one point. Um, but there is a level at which everyone thinking that uh, Powell is Volcker is going to be revealed to be untrue. <laughs> he cannot handle a severe recession. He can't do it. I know, and he won't get any support from the White House. John Carney um, – is there any whispering going on that you know of? And I'll ask this of both of you, so please weigh in, that the Fed is very concerned about disarray in the bond market with these large rate increases happening. Uh, maybe I should add also the foreign exchange market, the British story. They're all beating up on Liz Trust for being a supply sider. I think that's she's right and the critics are wrong. Um but, John, that the Fed might have some kind of emergency meeting, come out with statements about the bond market. Do you hear anything about that? What I've heard is actually the biggest concern being over not necessarily what's going on in the U.S. bond market or in uh, with the U.K. that they're, you know, the Bank of England can basically handle what's happening there. But with uh, emerging markets, that mm. they are, it, the, as weak as the dollar keeps strengthening and you can keep earning a higher and higher uh, return with you know ultra safe assets, it is crushing already emerging markets on both sides. One, they can't sell anything. Who want you know who's going to buy a, you know a risky sovereign debt when you can get U.S. debt and earn a real yield? And they and a lot of countries that have dollar denominated. Uh, debt are going to have a very hard time getting their hands on enough dollars as the dollar soars like it has. You know, I was surprised to read the story this morning's uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, Leo Brainerd, who's, you know, always on the left side, dovish side. But she came out and gave a talk, uh, I don't know, yesterday, the day before, that was very tough, very restrictive saying the Fed's going to stay the course. Um, so that's Leo Brainerd. Take it for what it's worth. Um, David Bonson, I don't know if you've heard anything 
about emergency meeting by the Fed or emergency statements or worried about the bond market. But, David, let me add one other thing. I was quite surprised to see the GDP tracker from the Atlanta Fed uh, ratcheted up from th- – this is for the third quarter estimate. Uh, they were at 0.3%, call it flat. Uh, now they're at 2 plus 2.6%. And that's a big number for the third quarter. Uh, kind of comes out of left field. I have not dug into it, but I wondered, uh, you know, if you got a 2.5% quarter, I would say that would put even more pressure on the Fed for maybe all the wrong reasons, I'm saying. But that might even put more pressure on the Fed to be even tougher. Well, of course, if they that would be if they erroneously believe, which I suspect they do, that economic growth yeah. is inflationary, yeah. which it is not, right. um, and does not have to be. But here, here's the thing about that GDP number, and a lot of people politically won't like it, what I'm about to say. It's because the stuff that was giving the negative GDP before was kind of the weak sauce stuff, inventories and things like that. I'm a supply sider, as is one of the greatest living economists who is the host of this radio show, <laughs> who taught me everything I know about supply side economics. And Larry, I care about non-residential fixed investment. Mm. That's the input to yep. GDP I care about, yep. business investment. Yep. That part didn't really go down that much. It wasn't up much either. It was kind of flattish in Q1 and Q2. Mm. The part Atlanta's looking at now is that the inventories are reversed because they're very volatile. But the consumer is still spending because the consumer is able to spend, and inflation's up, so there's a little higher number in the, in the spending. Um, it's, it's a business investment. That's the long-term number I care about. And quarter over quarter, when inventories pull you down, they can pull you back up. And that's what I think you're seeing. Yeah, uh, trade, too. I think trade is another one of those swing factors. But you're right. Business investment should be the heart of it. All things production and manufacturing should be the the heart of it. Um, Actually, Mark Skousen tracks this this, uh, GO, gross output, where he looks under the hood at the intermediate and early stages of process, business, basically business-to-business business, uh, spending and investing, uh, has held up. It has held up. And, you know, on the supply side of the economy, that's good. If only policies, you know, tax and regulatory policies would encourage that instead of discouraging it. But you, uh, you guys are not hearing anything yet about some kind of emergency Fed uh, meeting or Fed statement. Is that right, either of you? I- I'm not hearing anything. I don't know if John is. But one, what I'll say real quickly is what John said before, this dollar liquidity shortage, it's the biggest story in the world economically. It's just almost impossible to talk about because it's very complicated. Um, and it's not merely an emerging market story. It's fascinating. Emerging markets are down 27 and the S&P is down 25 mm. normally with Fed tightening. Emerging markets should be down double what the S&P is. Um, and so, but yeah, the dollar shortage is a major story worldwide. So, John, you're I've not. Got, I've got a little bit of hopefulness I wanted to inject because we sound so dire. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what I, what I wanted to say was that, look, we, I was very down on the stock market until very recently. I thought we had priced in a lot of the thing, you know, the, the, the rate hikes. But we hadn't priced in the idea of a much slower growth or even a recession next year. 
But now it looks like we're, we, we're pretty close to that. And historically, uh, over the past 140 years, bear markets last 289 days. Huh. That would put us at October 19th, 2022. Huh. The 35th anniversary of Black Monday would be <laughs> the end of the black market <laughs> or the end of the bear market. Wow. And you, so, lo- you know, there's hope. And wait, and the election comes 10 days later and the cavalry's coming. Indeed. So <laughs> we're, we're, we could be setting up for, you know, something coming up. You know, of course, history is, you know, as we always say, right, uh, past performance, you know, cannot predict future performance. But look, history, if it means anything, it would say, I mean, it would be it would be wonderful poetry for the market to, you know, end the bear market on October 19th. I we'll love see. that. I love that. I, and I love the fact that I think Congress is going to change hands and at least the bad stuff from all this left-wing progressivism might be stopped. So that's very cool. David, uh, politics in the stock market, what do you think? Yeah, you know, there is this little fact a lot of people in my business point out all the time. You know how many negative years we've had in the market in the third year of a presidential administration after the midterm? Mm-hmm. Not, none. Haven't, mm-hmm. It hasn't happened. Huh. Uh, it, it, it's a pretty weird statistic. It's one of those kind of Joe DiMaggio records that doesn't ever seem <laughs> to get broken. Um, and a lot of it is generally believed to be because in the second year, you know, they do policies that they can – uh, have time to come back from, and in the third year they have to start ramping up. This this administration doesn't care about that. They're not going to do anything supply side. They're not going to deregulate. They're obviously not going to cut taxes. Uh, but is the Fed going to be done with all their tightening? You know, I've believed that for my whole career mm-hmm. that politics is second and monetary policy is first yeah. when it comes to markets. Uh, and all both of those things are after earnings. Earnings are the mother's milk. Yes, and 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 so. That's the issue that we have to look at, is have corporate earnings been adjusted downward enough yet? I don't think they necessarily have, but valuations have come down a lot. All right. Profits are the mother's milk of stocks. We will watch the earnings reports in the weeks ahead. David Bonson, thank you. John Carney, thank you. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.